Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong, here for another fun-packed show with myself and, and a really good friend of mine, actually. We turned into a really good friends, actually. And her name is Julie, and Julie is the founder Peer Performance Solutions is based in Minnesota, and she specializes in enhancing individual and organizational performance, which I'm a big fan of, by the way. She also does a lot of stuff in organizational leadership consulting. Uh, she's also written a book, which, which is called Five Senses, uh, Five Senses for Success, which is all the, around the strategies in order to thrive in a particular area. She's also done some variety of different work in uh, for non-for-profits and also multinational companies. She's got an abundance of huge amounts of experience and uh, she's also uh, big fans of some of the people that uh, that have spoken here on the podcast, such as Marshall Goldsmith and so forth. So, Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate you having me here today on Game Changers. I thank you very much. You're absolutely welcome. It's uh, great to have you. And uh, interestingly enough, um, I was going to say, I know that uh, I want to I dive in straight in because I know that... Um, you know, leadership and success and, you know, they're, they're, they're not what I call wow fact, you know, they're not, they're always talked about. And so I'd, I'd really kind of want to delve in what your opinions and what your aspect is around things like success and leadership and how they intertwine into each other, if I may. Um, sure. I wanted to ask you a, a question because uh, my first question, I, I suppose, in, in a way is you've written a book called Five Senses. Um, now, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that. What is the concept behind five senses? What What do you mean by five senses? What What is a sense in, in and how does it apply to what you do? Yeah, I'd be happy to get into that. First, I want to just talk a little bit about how I view leadership and success, if I might. Absolutely. Um, success is very individualized. It's very customized to a specific person. And um, it is based on their own individual aims what they want in life. So that I think that each person has to aim for what is their own success. Um, Often we chase success that we see other people have and it may not fit for us. So thinking about that. And then in terms of leadership, I'm a big believer in personal leadership in any role. 
So whether one is in a leadership, a formal leadership role or not, I think that we all have the ability to show and display leadership with anybody that we live or work with or meet in the community or what have you. So I think, I think of success and leadership that way. Now, moving into the five senses for success, my book, um, what that is, is I took the five traditional or original senses of see, hear, touch, taste, and smell. And I've shifted them into what I view as deeper, more meaningful senses of observe, listen, feel, engage, and appreciate. And I can, I mean, I understand that some of those are easier to see how they transition. See to observe makes sense automatically, but something like taste to engage uh, might be less clear just from hearing the words. But I do all, explain all of that in the book. Um, with taste and engage, uh, with taste, it's a multi-sensory experience. We right. we observe the food, we touch it, we have the tactile uh, feeling of it in our mouth. Similarly, when we engage with people, we engage multiple senses. We observe, we listen, we have feelings, and we use all of those multi-senses to engage. So what I did is just shift those senses. And um, I think it's important to note too that when we're using those senses to dig deeper and build more meaningful relationships, it's not just relationships with others, it's also relationship with. Cool. Very good. Awesome. Now I know that um, I went into what, uh, what <clears throat> interestingly enough, and I, I love it, the, the, the fact that you've turned the traditional five senses and turned it into more, would you say it's more applicable to like the corporate world or the corporate organizations? Is that what you're saying? Well, I say that we can use these anywhere. So I definitely see a role for them in leadership and in working within organizations to get work done. I think what is um, really important about the census is that whenever we aim for anything, whether it's a personal goal or a career goal, um, we have to work with others. We have to collaborate. We have to um, be able to uh, partner to make things happen. And if we engage the senses I talk about in the book, then we're able to do that in a better, more seamless fashion. We're able to address differences of opinion. We're able to address different styles in a way that makes work go more smoothly. And as a leader, it helps you understand your staff. It helps you understand how to motivate them, how to inspire them to greater actions and um, you know, outcomes and performance. So mm. I see it as applicable across many arenas, but definitely in the workplace. Very cool. Excellent. Very good. Um, why would you say from your perspective, why are the five senses so important in, in the realms of leadership? You, know, you mentioned leadership on a couple of occasions. Um, and, but more importantly, I suppose a second question as part of that is then how do you then apply those principles of senses in the leadership realm and even with things like, you know, increasing employee engagement in organizations uh, with regards to uh, motivating staffs, you know, you mentioned around gratitude and appreciation, which I'm a big fan of, by the way. Um, what's your take on that? Sure. So in leadership, the, the first thing I want to say about that is that we are better able to work with and um, display value for um, 
a vast array of types of people, a vast diversity of people. And we are able to navigate those difficult situations that arise. In every corporate world, there will be conflict, there will be differences of opinion, there will be um, personal goals that get in the way of team or project goals. So um, being able to navigate those more seamlessly is helpful. So if, if, you know, when I'm working with leaders, often one of their biggest barriers is holding people accountable in their organization, the people that report to them. It is like a huge stumbling block for many leaders that I work with. And so um, in employing the five senses, we're able to uh, help them uh, build relationships in a different way, listen deeper, um, be present more. Uh, I think too often leaders are, and all of us in any kind of conversation, but specific to leaders, leaders are thinking about the many pressures on them to make sure they're reaching departmental or divisional or whatever it is goals. And then um, how can they inspire the staff below them to help fulfill on those? And the pressure gets in the way of trying to build those relationships. So trying to um, get them to pause, uh, do some self-reflecting, and then um, some different approaches to the way that they work with their staff. For instance, if we think of listening, which I think is a really, really key um, sense from my book, um, one of the things that we aren't always as humans when we're in conversation, uh, whether it's one-on-one conversation, you know, leader to staff, or it's a team group conversation, we aren't always present with the listening. So being present first and foremost. So not thinking about our grocery list or our sick child or whatever it may be, but that being present. Um, and then one of the challenges is that when we start to feel our insides um, disagree, and I think we can feel that anywhere in our body, but we feel it in our body. And when we start to feel that, sometimes we shut down our listening a little bit. And we start thinking about how we're gonna reply instead of really hearing and, and taking the time to understand this perspective. So I went through training with uh, Judith Blazier when she was still alive. Uh, she has a book, Conversational Intelligence. And one of the key things I took out of that training was ask a question you do not know the answer to. Because when you do that, you open up avenues you haven't explored you open up um, the opportunity to build trust. So trust is kind of interesting because it actually shows up physically in our body. So when we um, start to ask questions, dig deeper, try to learn that other person's perspective, we actually create changes in the brain. And when we work to co-create like that, um, where there's an exchange of ideas, we the brain will actually start to, the brains of the people involved will start to mirror each other. So they've seen this in functional MRIs and you can actually see that they start to look similar to being built. And as that trust is being built, that is how we are able to um, start navigating some of those more challenging situations where, okay, now we have a team, we have maybe three different options for moving forward. How are we gonna discuss how we move forward with that? 
Got it. Got it. Very good. Very cool. Um, <laughs> I wrote down a ton of uh, other things I wanted to ask you off the back of the conversation. So that was interesting. Um, I wanted to um, sort of, a, you, you sort talked of. about accountability. Um, why, from your perspective, do a lot of leaders, um, business owners, Forte, whatever it is, why do they find it so difficult with accountability? Is it, is it the fact that they already feel so responsible in terms of like where they are in terms of position? What's the, what's the, what's, what's, what's the, uh, what, what's your thoughts on that? I think there might be a couple of things leading into that. So I think first I'll address the internal and oftentimes I come to understand as I'm coaching a, a leader or executive um, that there is a lack of confidence. So what happens often is as we grow up through a corporation or whatever organization we may work through, um, we keep getting more and more responsibility as we are um, showing performance that is good, right? Right. And as that more responsibility comes, not always are we fully equipped by the powers of that organization with how to handle or address that responsibility. And so there's sometimes a lack of confidence in what do I even do in this situation? Got it. That's the And then um, on the external, let's be frank, the hardest part of leadership is having those accountability conversations. The fun part is hiring, training, you know, rewarding, those are all fun. But the hard part is the accountability conversation and um, helping inspire change in how somebody is performing. And so um, when that comes into play, I'm trying to look at both sides of that, the inside and the external. Um, when uh, when uh, working with that mix, if you aren't addressing the confidence elements, it is very difficult to have the hard conversations, right? Because if you don't feel confident in where you are, you might feel a little like a poser asking somebody to do something differently. And if you aren't, if you aren't feeling like you have the skills to have those challenging conversations, um, when likely conflict is gonna have, most often employees that are having you know, uh, an accountability conversation coming their way, they aren't saying, welcome, come on in. <laughs> I'd be happy to have that conversation. They're a little bit um, defensive and combative and often, not always. Um, and so if you don't feel like you have the skills to navigate that conversation in a way that will help both the leader and the employee, then that can come into play as well. Mm -hmm. So um, not only that, but I, I, I work with them to give them the specific kind of phraseology and things that you can use to help them. And I always like to come at it with um, the idea of if somebody is not performing in a role, it's probably because that role is not the right fit for them. True. So how can I mm -hmm. help them when I've been a leader in organizations, how can I help them to find what is right, to um, alter this as may be needed as much as possible within the organization construct and, um, and help them succeed the way they really want to, you know, inside of them succeed. So Very cool. I always come at it with that framework. 
very cool very good um i wanted to uh, here's a here's a really interesting part because i i'm a big believer in self-evaluation right you know what is it that i can do yes. to be be a better leader what is it that i can do to be a better person what is it that i can do um have you got any tips for you know you know most of our listeners are entrepreneurs and also business leaders in their own right have you got any tips for people on self-evaluation how to go about doing it and what are the benefits yes well um i'll talk first about the benefits so when we pause to reflect on how we've done in a situation we give ourselves the opportunity to learn and grow if we do not pause and reflect we take we steal that opportunity from ourselves so we're actually harming ourselves if we don't take that time Um, We are harming our career growth. We are harming our um, ability to expand our capabilities. So I think that's why it's really important. Um, In terms of how to do that, I've often coached um, leaders to schedule time for thinking. So thinking can look a lot of different ways, right? It can actually be at a computer thinking. It could be meditating in a chair with your eyes closed briefly. It could be taking a walk. It can be a lot of different ways. But where the sole goal during that time is to reflect back on any given situation, usually you're focused on what were the difficult ones? What happened? How could I have approached it differently? So thinking about that. Um, And then when the reflection has taken place, then I get into the space of experimenting. So... For each individual, we don't know what's going to work for them until they have tried it for themselves. So there are different ways you can approach things and taking the time to um, help brainstorm ideas of approaches, taking the time to experiment different approaches. You know, maybe there is a conflict with one of your staff that's pretty regular and difficult and, and you really need this person in this key role to perform well. So trying to um, figure out what is the right approach for this person that's gonna help this person succeed. And by helping them succeed, um, we become, um, you know, as a group, as a, you know, again, depending, division, department, whatever it may be, we become more successful because of that person. Oh, very good, awesome. Now, I know that you quoted, and I think it's on your website, but I can't remember. But I, I wrote it down here and you said, in, in, you believe in today's world, there is a relationship crisis. Now, why do you think there's a relationship crisis? I want to challenge you on this and, and, and I want to know what your thoughts are when you, when you, when you wrote that. So I observe, using one of my words, I observe that in society, uh, I live in the US, um, but it can, it expands a lot of places sure. across the globe um, that too often are leaders in society, and that can be governmental leaders, that can be corporate leaders, that can be um, leaders in nonprofit realms, whatever whatever those leaders are, um, aren't displaying what I would think of as good leadership and relationships because they are shutting down conversations. They are, and ideas and innovation. I mean, all of these things you want to happen to um, continue to grow in society, in work, whatever it may be. 
that shut things down. There's a lot of really horrible rhetoric that occurs in the news, in social media, in um, discourse between say political figures or leaders in organizations. And um, I think that is why I say there's a leadership crisis. I think that too often we move to what I call violent ways of interacting. And that doesn't mean you're necessarily hitting or, or doing something physical. We can be violent with our words too. Sure. And so I, that is where I'm saying there's a relationship. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, that, you know, just being in the digital world, I, I mean, that can mean so many different things for so many different people, especially in the world of leadership, by the way. Um, interestingly enough. Um, yeah, good thoughts. Um, now, you're a big advocate of, we, we talked about this before, about building relationships. You mentioned the word relationships on a number of occasions. Now, what I'm, I know that a lot of our listeners are interested in is you know they, they want to grow their business or they want to uh you know they want to be a better leader they want to see improvements they want to move forwards right that's that, that's mm -hmm. essentially what they want but in order to do that they've got to build um deep connection to do that right that's kind of one of the fundamental building blocks from when you when you work with with clients especially with your clients and and you and, and you and you see an um an opportunity where you feel like that particular person they, they really needs to become more human right and they really need to build these deep connections with their their employee their team and so forth what are some of the um how how do you go about helping them to build that deep connection what is the process behind that well first i need to work with them to help them understand why it's important and i don't do that by saying this is important because I tend to ask a lot of questions. So if they're describing a situation, I'll ask more to fully understand the situation. And then I'll ask things like, what would have happened if you had approached it this way? Or what could you have done differently? What different way could you have said that? You know, I try to just ask some questions about the ways that they are talking about whatever is top of mind for them. And then as we move forward, um, when they start, what I see happen is they start to incorporate some of these ideas that we talk about. And I will reflect back, that sounds like you're shifting the relationship. It sounds like you're enhancing the relationship. And so I kind of just embed the thought in our conversations as we're working forward. Cool, very good. Um, in terms of, um... I mean, I wanted to let, I wanted to kind of stay on the whole kind of connection thing. And when you're trying to improve relationships with you and your team and, and things like that, you know, if if there is a, a lead, if there's a leader, you know, especially some of our leaders, we all need to make improvements, whether it be through listening skills, whether it be to more be, be more open or whatever it might be. Um, if someone is not what I call a people's person, right? Now, all leaders should be pe people, people, pe people's persons, but not everyone is, right? Whether it be an introvert, an right. extrovert, whether it be uh, an engineer, a, yes, <laughs> exactly, right? So, from your perspective, like I know that, especially if we look at say personality traits, which might be kind of your reds, which are more kind of domineering, you know, sort of controlling type, where you might get sort of the greens, a, a green type of personality, which might be kind of more. I suppose nurturing type of people 
Um, how does um, each, say, individual leaders in particular, what's your thoughts about, um, you know, the first stages of, you know, if, if people aren't those the type of people that like to, or the types of leaders that aren't what they call people's person, what tips and strategies do you have for those types of uh, leaders? Well, so again, I go back to the approach that I was talking about where I'm really asking them questions and they can include things like, okay, I heard you approach this situation this way, maybe a hard, abrupt, stern, controlling, yep. whatever yep. kind of way. How, what did you observe as the reaction from the team? Good question. You know, I ask these kinds of questions and then they probably don't know at that time. And then I'll say something like, what if next time you're having a conversation like that, you pay attention to how they're reacting and see what happens. And then it's kind of a process, right? And then they come back with some observations. And then what if you approached it in a different manner? What are, what are some other manners that you want to approach it in? And so I'm not giving them... I could, I could say, you know, if you said it, did it this way, I could do that. But I try to get them to realize their own knowledge because they know, they already know. And so I'm really there to help them surface it, understand it, and then use it to act and behave in a different way. I understand. So um, I can't, I could, I could say, you know, all the things I said in my book, observe feel um not in a way you know feel with feel it's like don't shut your feelings down don't let them run over other people <laughs> you know there's a balance there uh, listen more deeply listen to understand their perspectives don't shut down the listening until people have had everything to say that they want to say um i do a mediation i do mediations i'm a qualified neutral for the state of minnesota and uh, one of our tactics in going into mediation as a mediator is to the very after introduction of how the process will work, our first thing is for either side to have uninterrupted time where they get to tell their story, their side of things, what is important to them. And often in a mediation situation, it is the first time the party has actually fully heard them. So it's taking the time to pause and read those things that I talk about in the book. But I, when I'm coaching, I'm not just saying, here, read the book. I'm trying to help them understand how it impacts them, how they can work within that frame. Mm. It's interesting because it, it's, it's the same with any form of coaching and mentoring. You, it's rather than sort of saying, this is what you need to do, is to really kind of facilitate or give them some direction for them to then realize these are hard moments does that make sense and then it becomes then it becomes more submit uh, cemented in your subconscious mind if that makes sense right. it does and often they know and if they truly are stumbling on a situation then i say can we brainstorm some ideas together yeah and then we both bring yeah. ideas to the table and then i say what seems to be a fit for you mm -hmm. so you know it is it's that helping them surface their own knowledge their own abilities to figure this out because they can cool very good um now in your <clears throat> now how does your not just five senses but your book methodology which is essentially the five senses which you're talking about how does that compare 
to some of the other principles of success that that might be out there? How does it compare to what's out there in the market with regards to in the world of leadership and being a better leader and also, you know, and, and you know, sort of being a bit better person? How, do, how does it compare to other methodologies? Yeah, I mean, there are different books that talk about you know, steps to being more successful or being a better leader. There are books that tell specific principles like love or what have you. Um, I really think this is unique in that it is very relational focused, but relational elements are critical to our success. Yep. So these are so important in how we lead, in how we live, in how we learn, in how we impact this world and what yep. we contribute. Very cool. The other thing I, I, I wrote down here actually as well, which I suppose is again, more around the world of leadership as well, uh, which is all around um, ego, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, I have these, a lot of these conversations, Julie in clubhouse, right? And the fact that one of the things that I really detest and hate so much is when you get a business leader or, or someone that puts their own agenda on somebody else. Does that make sense? Um, any, yes, any, any, yeah. any, 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 any tips for those egotistical leaders of how to be a better person? Yeah. So I think that we have to separate a couple things. So ego for the sake of ego is one thing and being able to lead a charge of some sort, whether it's a division or a specific project or whatever it may be. Um, there is a, a, a little bit of ego in that, a little bit. Right. But when I say a little bit, it, it needs to be a little bit. <laughs> because, um, and that's, I would actually rename that side of it as more confidence yep. instead of ego. Even when I think the word ego goes wrong and where that whole concept goes wrong, is when there is a leader who is truly focused on their own aims and their own career and their own success, whatever that means to them, monetary title, whatever, yep. without care for how they're impacting others or clients or whatever. To me, that is not a good leader. I'm a strong proponent, and actually my next book will be on this concept um, that I'm starting to outline right now. I'm a big um, proponent of what I call purposeful leadership. Purposeful leadership to me is both intentional, which purposeful can be, but also filled with purpose. And part of that purpose is how do we positively contribute to the world? When I'm leading a team, I don't want to be the leader who is negatively impacting everybody around me yet I'm getting great success because I'm putting so much negative pressure on them. They're scared of me and they're just doing it to not get me mad or something. You know, I don't want to be that leader. I don't want to realize success while harming people. Mm. And so that's what I think of when I think of that. Either. Very good. Very good. It's interesting. I'm a big fan of the whole kind of purposeful leadership type of stuff. Cause it, it, it's something that we teach our clients ourselves because you know, people are what we well. It, you'll know this from being uh, working in in the realms of of leadership. You know, people aren't m motivated by money. You know, people are motivated by 
you know, the, the bigger picture, especially if we look at millennials and sort of the younger generation, they're motivated by money. They're motivated with the higher cause. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. It makes sense. And you do see kind of um, growing in importance in the younger uh, generations. You're right. Mm. Um, I think it's so, so important. And I think traditional old school management didn't always think of it that way. And, um, and that's too bad, but I think we've learned over time that that, that old school way of managing hardcore just getting it done kind of thought process isn't the way to really motivate, inspire, and actually accomplish. When you do this the way where you are positively impacting people, you actually have more success in the end. Yeah. Than you yeah. would if you did it the other way. Very cool. Now, I know we're coming towards the end of the interview, but just in sort of the last minute, have you got any, um, have you got any final thoughts uh, uh, at the end of our, while, while we're summing up? Yes, I do. So one of the things that I kind of finish in my book with is I really want to end with the idea of hope. So I share in my book some situations where I did not handle things well at all. Um, and I'm, I'm open about that because I want people to understand that even if they've done some of these things in the exact opposite way, though what I'm suggesting they try in the five senses, that we still can shift, we still can learn, we can still practice these things, we can still have hope. Um, I, you know, realize these senses because I've learned them throughout my career and my life, and um, I still don't practice them perfectly. I still today make mistakes. I still then reflect afterwards how I could have done it better. Mm. It's that sense of hope that no matter where you've been, what you've experienced, what you've done, you can shift it and improve it and have a better impact on those around you while building your own success simultaneously. Love it. Very good. That's a, that's a great summary. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'm a big believer is that the more that you help someone add value to them, serve them and give them the results, help them to accomplish what they want to accomplish. The universe will reward you in due kind. I suppose it's kind of, you know, the law of attraction, law of success type of thing. And, you know, and my good friends, uh, Jack Canfield and, and, and Bob Proctor has, has written a lot about that. And even Dr. John D. Martini, which you could, which you guys can listen to, by the way, because it's in the podcast anyway. So it's all good. It's interesting because if Julie's talking about it and Jack's talking about it and John's talking about it, it must be true, right? So anyway, listen, Julie, I just want to say again, thank you so much for being on the show, show today. We really appreciate you being on here. I hope you had some fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I really, really appreciate it. I always love chatting with you. It's so fun. Very cool. And guys, if you have any questions or you'd like to reach out to um, to Julie uh, Yescape here, then do me a favor, click on some of the links below. You can click on her social media links below and uh, just reach out to her. And when you do reach out to her, do mention the podcast because then she'll know, oh, okay, well, I'll put two and two together and then she'll know exactly where you come from. So, um, so without further ado, hope you've enjoyed today's show. And uh, from me and Julie, we'll see you back in and again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care and see you soon. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights, 
and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.